Good evening and welcome to the Pompey Politics Podcast. I'm Ian Tiny Morris. And I'm Simon Sandsbury. Well, good evening, Simon. A decidedly local feel to the show tonight. Um, yeah, indeed. We, uh, we've got um, veteran campaigner Rumal Khan joining us th- this evening. Um, but yeah, we, we're swinging back a bit local. Um, and then next week, uh, we'll be casting our net a bit wider with a, with a local tint. Um, looking at the upcoming, sadly, the, the year since um, Ukraine uh, was a very big one there. So Rumal Khan is joining us this evening. Good evening, Rumal. Good evening. Yeah, and good evening, Simon. Marvellous. And, yeah, and with yeah. thanks this evening to, to to Raj, your son, who has uh, helped yeah. us through the technical difficulties, yeah. which is why we're just a couple yeah. of minutes late. Thanks to all of you. But uh, yeah, no worries. We, we, we get there with patience and perseverance. So thank you very much. Yeah. Um, no, thank all. You so, yes. So here we are. We're in that countdown, aren't we? To, and we're looking towards May. But let's have a let's have a look at what uh, Rumel's got to say. His review of of his time as a as a local activist. So he's been an activist from uh, within the Bangladeshi community for over twenty years. Yes. He's a proud member of the local Labour Party, having stood as parliamentary candidate in Portsmouth North in twenty seventeen, uh, and with twenty years of community community activism under his belt um, and running businesses in Portsmouth. Welcome to the show, Rumel. Thank you very much, uh, everyone. Um, I'm Rumel Khan. Uh, I'm uh, from the Bangladeshi community. I've lived in Portsmouth for over nearly 30 years now. Um, lo- you know, almost a local Pompey. <laughs> um, the good thing about living in Portsmouth, um, one of the reasons I got involved in politics is my father was in politics for many years. Uh, he was a local. Uh, he was in, in, in Luton many years. Uh, again, a businessman there, but he it helped a lot of people um, improve their lives, and I just wanted to do that. So that was one of my reasons for coming into politics. Yeah. Okay. You, and so, so, you, so would much... you say it was? Yep. Sorry, I was so, going to say you. It rumors preempted our first question, so go on. Go away with you, Ian. Yeah. Thank you. So, 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 rumor, would you say it was your 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 father's interest in politics that was really the leverage that got you in? I guess. Once you get in, what, what what's kept you engaged with that political scene for so yeah. many years? Yeah, I think, you know, the the purpose of helping people. I also was a volunteer youth worker in Luton for many years. Um, I, I was involved in a youth organization. Um, I was one the founding chair. I left at 300, the building at nine and a half thousand. It's one of the largest um, youth organizations in the country. So I'm very proud, you know, and the ultimate thing is to help everyone, you know. And I've been doing that, and my father did it. And when you help people, you know, and improve their lives, I think that's part of politics, isn't it? Thank you. I, I, I guess it, it should be. I think at the moment, uh, perhaps the public don't have quite the same view of politicians. And but what we find is that those people from the local community who are in activism, they 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 tend to go into it with all the right motives. Yeah. Yes, I agree with you. <clears throat> Lovely. Okay. So what do you see as the biggest uh, changes in Portsmouth since you've moved here from Luton then? Uh, lots of changes and uh, people tell me 
change is part of life. Uh, so when I came into Portsmouth, the largest minorities were the Bangladeshi and Chinese. No longer are they the largest or the only organizations. Uh, you've got the, you got the um, uh, African Caribbean associations here. You've got a uh, Kurdish community, which is a growing community. Uh, you've got, you know, you've got the other ones like Polish community. So there's a diversification of many, many types. I mean, just to emphasize something to you, um, not to show you how clever I am, I speak five languages. I'm lost in Portsmouth, so um, it tells you how diversified it's been since I came in. And it's a good thing because it, it's good for you've just got to look at Fratton Road, look at how much it's changed in terms of business, you know, um, how the Kurdish and the Polish people very, very business minded. Yeah, so it's a good thing it's, you know, for everyone. Okay, that, that, that's great. Sorry, go. So if we touch on business there, Ruman, yeah. uh, obviously, would you would you be happy to share with us? Obviously, I think you've run a you've you've run a number of different businesses um, in your time in Portsmouth. Would you? Yes. Uh, how can you talk us through some of that? Sure, I'd be, I'd be glad to do that. Uh, I had a catering business uh, many years in Kosham, a uh, little Indian takeaway. I ran for seven years. Um, prior to that, I used to own the Indian cottage in Ferrum. Uh, my uncle owns one of that. I was the owner manager there for four years and before that uh, I was in Chichester managing the catering restaurant on there so catering is in my family blood <laughs> but um, you know um, I think business is very interesting because you know uh, business is not for everyone uh, it's not for the frail hearted and uh, people see money signs when they go into business is something you don't have to see because you have to put in long hours but the rewards are there and I've also been in service sector within the council for many, many projects. So, you know, you can see it from the inside and outside. And, you know, business is very exciting and it's challenging. You know, when I ran a catering business, I used to run six days a week. Uh, I never got to see my children that grew up without me for about seven years. My, my, my wife did a lot of the, you know, parenting, but um, it's been challenging. And there are a lot of people in Kosham still live in Kosham. So um, I have a second family in Kosham and, Everywhere you do business, you, you get to know people because whatever business you're in, curry business, fruit business, it, it's about people, you know, and um, mm. I started had a business in Luton. I worked in a shop from the age of 15. So, um, you know, it's going back roots, really. <laughs> so in terms of being an entrepreneur in Portsmouth, was there anything that particularly attracted you to Portsmouth? And, yeah. and how would you say the landscape has changed as an entrepreneur in Portsmouth over the last 20 odd years? As an entrepreneur in Portsmouth, it's very exciting times. Um, you've got, you know, lots of um, people from different communities. Um, you know, you just got to have a look at QA, look at the staff makeup there. You've got many diverse uh, staff there. They have to eat, they have to sleep somewhere, they have to go to communities, you know, and um, it's opportunities. Um, you know, I always believe a definition of an entrepreneur is every time he sees something, he sees an opportunity. You know, I'm an optimist. Um, uh, you've got to see opportunity. And, you know, it's hard work. It's teamwork. You know, I've learned many lessons um, uh, that, you know, in business, you know, you could know everything and still fail. You know, and I, 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 I did lose a few business. But my dad used to say, you learn the biggest lessons when you're losing, not winning. Uh, making money is easy. Losing it is hard. <laughs> and, and I think, that, you know, would you say that the, the, the landscape in Portsmouth now is, is 
more open to entrepreneurs or, or, or do you think it's become more challenging? No, it's challenging times, but it's more open to entrepreneurs. If you look at the younger generation in the Bangladeshi community and the Chinese, uh, traditionally it was catering industry is no longer that. If you look at the younger generations in Portsmouth, they're opening diverse businesses, you know, um, and um, it's not only the minority, entrepreneur mindset have to be there. You know, um, there's opportunities because don't forget, this is a, uh, Portsmouth is a, you know, a tourist destination. Uh, we've got historic dockyard here, you know, you've got the university, you know, so it's, it's, it's lots going, you know. Um, you, you can, um, obviously, you've got to have some, you know, basic understanding business and uh, you've got to, um, I've worked with many chefs, you know, one of my chefs won uh, Top Chef Award in Kosham for two years. And ever since he won the award, we couldn't speak to him. He was in a different level, but he was one of the best chefs I've worked with. You know, so um, chefs are prima donnas, but businesses, <laughs> you know, you know, um, I have a lot of customers who I see in Kosham still, you know, say hello to me. Uh, and it's the lessons learned. So it's lots of opportunities in Portsmouth and surrounding areas. You know, you've got to look at the look at the demographics in, like I said, in South Sea, in Fretton and other places. Look how much has changed, you know. So um so, Rimmel, you, you talked about, um, so you've represented the Bangladeshi community on a number of forums over the over the years. Yeah. How would you how would you assess the, the current landscape for uh, for that community in Portsmouth? The Bangladeshi, it's an exciting time to be in the Bangladeshi community. You know, like I said, the younger generations are changing a lot of the, you know, we had uh, when we a lot of our elderly community came in 50 years ago, their paradigm was completely different to what it is now. It's challenging times, but there are businesses opening. You know, um, even in Portsmouth, you know, we are in challenging times, as you, as everyone knows. But uh, from our entrepreneurs' mindset, when someone sees, um, when the saying is that when everybody is running the other way, you run the you know the opposite direction and look at service and opportunities. So you know, uh, Portsmouth has got immense, immense qualities and potential if you if you are willing to put the hard work in yeah and, and does the <clears throat> uh, do, does the does the current um challenging trading environment does that bring any particular challenges for uh for communities um such as the Bang bangladeshi community or or um it, yeah. you know is 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 that just kind of widespread no it's widespread but for Bangladeshi community, we have a massive challenges. The catering industry is being challenged hard because a lot of the young mm -hmm. people don't want to go into the business you were in. Uh, you know, they're into other business, and so we have a sometimes uh, we have a staff a skill shortages. But uh, you know, uh, we were allowed to get staff from uh, Bangladesh and other places. So you know, and it's training issues as well. You know, uh, there are some businesses in post you know restaurants where we've been there last 50 60 years and still going so um you know it is challenging but you know there are opportunities i think everywhere yeah well if they've been going five six decades they've got to be doing something right exactly exactly and it's customer service i always say politics business same thing if you don't service the people you know you won't be in business too long or in politics <laughs> very good point Ian. Yeah. yeah, and you, you paint an interesting picture there, Rumal, because I, I, I think, again, just, just filling in kind of what you've told us, that, that 
you know, the, the, the Bangladeshi community, if we go back sort of 20 odd years, it, yeah. it, it, it feels like there was, there was quite a, you know, it, it's interesting, isn't it? That, 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 you know, everybody refers to an Indian restaurant, but anybody who knows anything knows that the majority of, uh, of the chefs who are, uh, who are behind the stove and the, and the folk who own it are in fact, not Indian at all, but Bangladeshi. Exactly. It, it, you speak, you speak to potentially the, the, the kind of next generation along, um, it, it feels like that their horizons have been widened slightly. You know, they, they, they see a much wider horizon and much more potential. And, and you know, I think you touched on it in your start, that, you know, working every evening from 2, 3 o'clock to do prep for service and then going through till midnight, maybe... You know, how how do you assess the the opportunities for the the next generation of the Bangladeshi community, and and how that differs from yours when you were, I don't want to call you not young, but when you were much younger. <laughs> yeah, I'll give you. That's a good question, Ian. Um, if, I'll give you an example. When I run, running my takeaway, I used to have my customers come and take the food, and you get to interact with them. And uh, I was reluctant to do delivery services, but if you look at all the businesses now, it's Uber and other services you know just eat we never had that uh, there is upside mm. to it you know people i think people customers are more lazy now they want everything home you know but the downside is you know you don't get to speak to them uh, and sometimes if there's problems with uh, food or delivery you don't hear them again they don't come so i'm from the yeah. old school i believe in talking to people but you know you've got to do deliveries now and um, a lot of the business to diversify which they did during the pandemic it was you know it, it taught a lesson to people if it wasn't for delivery service a lot of the businesses would have gone you know um, bust and a lot of them had to adapt so part of yeah. business is adapting you know to changes which is good the younger people understand and their skills base is different you know i had a chef who worked with me for 20 years and suddenly became unemployed and he went to the the job center and the job center lady said he doesn't understand a word of english and he's been here 20 years i said well she said i can't understand that i said well i can because he's been in he, he was the king of the jungle in the kitchen and all he spoke was bangladeshi he didn't have a need to speak english so um mm. that's changed a lot the younger generation are much more educated you know different skills you know, you know so that's a good thing <clears throat> no definitely and 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 uh... I think well, that, does that speak to the the fact that you know when we often there's this sort of conversation around you know different communities with different community identity. Would you say this sort of you know this next generation uh, kind of perhaps are more or less integrated than 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 they were historically? And is is there a still pride in that Bangladeshi community? Yeah, I think. Yes, a lot more integrated, but, you know, it's also about a different paradigm shift as well. Um, they see mm. something different that we didn't see 25, 30 years ago. You know, um, it's a good thing because, you know, um, younger generations understand IT and, uh, you know, web business and all that. So marketing is a big tool. <clears throat> you know, I, when I had my small business in Kosham, I couldn't afford marketing too much. My biggest marketing was word of mouth. You know, if you enjoyed it, you told mm. someone else. And, you know, to be honest with you, um, I did good business. The reason I sold it and I joined the council for initially for six months. I've been there for about 24, 25 years now doing different things. But um, the chef I sold it to, he ran it for his, sold it to his chef. 
and one of my close friends has bought it now and still a food place so um, it's nice to see yeah excellent so if if, if we take a sort of a, a shift in tone and yeah. and um yeah we we have a look now at the the whole political landscape if we if we look at Portsmouth um you know and Portsmouth City Council has been in pretty much no overall control um for a, a very long time now do you see that situation continuing or do you think there is there will ever be an opportunity where you know Portsmouth will finally adopt a a, a, a political identity as it's a little bit of a chameleon at the moment depending on where you are in the city no i do see um i'll be honest with you i do see that labor taking control uh, of a majority in the council however to do this we will continue supporting policies and you know that improves uh, the lives of working people in Portsmouth. that's the most important thing and negotiations are important you know partnership work is important but i always say the end goal is to help people you know you know hmm. um politics or selling curries or whatever I see and the goal is serving the people and uh, you know we 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 got to long as we uphold our core values and of justice and fairness that's the most important thing Ian. <clears throat> and that's that's got an interesting perspective as you know rumor we've we've yeah. been uh, we've been broadcasting our podcast now for three years and we are we're creeping towards election season again and and you know, so Simon and I will be dusting off the spreadsheets yeah. and looking at it. Yeah. You know, in terms of whilst, you know, Stephen Morgan has had a very, very strong support in the south of the city. Yeah. Um, Labour really has struggled to make an impact in the north. Yeah. Um, and and for the last sort of couple of election cycles, whilst they've they've done well and they've had some significant wins against the Lib Dems. Yeah. Um, their next move has then obviously been to support the Lib Dems back into administration. Yeah. What 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 do you see as that fundamental change? Because I guess at some point, um, you know, what what's got to change for Labour to almost create its own identity within the City Council, rather than potentially, you know, being the the vehicle to support the Lib Dems into administration. Well, you know, like I said, on some policies, it's good to support Ian. Um, mm. But, uh, you know, we've got to remember, like you said, and then I stood as a parliamentary candidate in 17 on the north, you know, and I live in the north of Portsmouth for the last 18, 20 years. However, I lived in the south for, you know, another 8, 10 years. So, you know, I always say since I lived in the north, people say I'm a northerner. So I don't understand what that means. The problems are the right. same. Problems are the same, you know. Um, the thing is, we, 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 we have a Labour councillor in the uh, north of Portsmouth, you know, as you know, uh, he yep. did really well. We can build on that. Uh, we need to learn, you know, lessons. You know, um, I stood for Copner twice. I stood for Nelson once. So many lessons. And, you know, don't forget, we had many councillors in the north many years back. And we had mm. two prominent uh, MPs on the north, you know, so... Um, you know, anything's possible, but I think, you know, working together, learning lessons, you know, you know I think Labour's doing that, to be honest with you. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, obviously last year, you know, Asga won Cosham, and, and I think I'm right in saying of the of the 21 councillors in the north, um, he, he's still the, the, the only councillor for Labour, and obviously there have been 
Yeah. Um, it seems like the the Portsmouth Independent Party are, are really sort of challenging in the north. Do, yeah. do you? What do you think needs to change? Is it really just Asga there as that trailblazer, or is there something more that needs to change to 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 get Labour turning the dial again um, to win seats in the north? I'll be honest with you. Uh, it's going to be cooperation between uh, listening to people in the north. A lot of the people in the north feel neglected. You know, not just by Labour, by anyone. Um, uh, and with all honesty, you know, I'm not taking a party line, but at least, you know, on the south, you see the MP do a huge amount. You know, um, I don't honestly see our, you know, MP in the north. You know, um, personally, you know, I know her, but in terms of constituency, so there are demographics of people in the north. Uh, a lot of pensioners and uh, and they feel sometimes not touched you know so i often used to hear this criticism when i'm knocking mm. on people's door whether we're labor or live down or conservatives we say they used to say you know you politicians only knock on our door when you need our vote and um, those sort of things that you change and asko changed that you know asko changed it i i wish i had the time like asko did in terms of the time i was working two three jobs and it's difficult but um can be done can be done uh, you build on success success leaves trails you know and that's what it's about okay so um, but um um and, and just to refresh the memories of um of our listeners so the current makeup of of portsmouth city council um, there's 42 councillors overall there's 17 liberal democrat there's 13 conservative uh, there's eight labor uh three portsmouth independent parties and one um independent and there's some detail around that that we'll probably get to a, a bit later and and um ian it's been four years it's four years this eight. has it been four years yeah all yeah. time flies when you're having fun it's so um but yeah well we, uh, it's all to play for isn't it i guess um uh, as we as we come into as we come into may um <clears throat> okay so um so many local councillors started um, started life as a community activist, and it seems a natural path to follow. Is that really the case, or is that um, is there something more that attracts someone into to local politics? Is it kind of like a straight crossover, or is it one thing naturally leading to the other? Do you think? Yeah, uh, the thing is, Simon, I don't think it's just you know it is one of the path community activism. Mm -hmm. But I've had friends and families who've been to politics from many, many different uh, professions. The end goal is to serve people. You know, um, I saw my dad serving community from the age of 14. I've always been doing that. And I think anybody who stands to become a councillor, their end goal is to serve the community they live in. So it can come from many directions. But in a, in a core purpose is to serve the community and help people. So, you know, that could mean any professions, you know, there, you know community activism is one way. I'm, I was a youth community worker, so you're right. You get involved in that. When you're in community activities, you see issues. It's about policies and issues and helping people, you know. So, yeah, it is one of the way, but not the only way. Yeah. But I guess I guess they both have that common tenant with, you mentioned earlier on with, with the service industry of just wanting to help people is is that is that what you find is that yeah is that the yeah. case 
yeah, many people are not in politics, but they're helping people. You know, um, they're unsung heroes. You know, uh, but that doesn't mean they're not helping. I just find politics is a vehicle that I wanted to be in because I have, you know, uh, uh, there is so much needs to be done, even in the city we're in now, you know, and if I can contribute to that, so be it. You touched on it in your last answer, Rumal, in terms of the challenges of of being able to to campaign and and you know we we've touched on it in the show before you know that the, the people who are elected to the council you know whilst they get a modest kind of expenses allowance that they're, they're you know it's not enough money to to pay the mortgage and keep a roof over your head yeah. do, do you think that that's something that's a barrier to people getting in more involved in local politics yeah should, yeah. should there be a different structure yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, if you look at councillors, you know, they don't go in for the money because the money they get it wouldn't feed half of their families, but they go in for no. the passion, passion they want to serve. But yeah, the structure of the councillors, you know, uh, fees and salaries needs to be looked into because, you know, I've had friends and people locally who, who did two jobs uh, and, you know, and was, was a councillor. So being a councillor takes a lot of time involved, you know, but don't forget, you know, your priority is to serve the community, but also to survive mm. and support your family, you know, and and it's, it's a bit of struggle, struggle for a lot of people, I know, you know. Yeah, and I think that's that's a tension that we've we've looked at before is that, you know, I think the, as a, a just as a standard counsellor, I think the 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 expenses allowance is around £11,000 per year. Yeah. So, you know, just under half the minimum wage, which you know, uh, un- unless you are a person of means and able to support yourself and your family by another mechanism, it does mean that the um, to work around to to get the two to gel um, can be a challenge. Massive challenge. Massive challenge. And, and then I guess if you're if you're working full time and being a counsellor, you then also got the challenge of trying to fit all of that in. Yeah. in your day fit, go to meetings that quite often last from two o'clock in the afternoon till 11 o'clock yeah. at night yeah um and it seems i don't know it do, do you think that that's quite exclusionary in the way of that a way that that actually limits the people that would put themselves forward for it let alone actually are able to get elected and do the job and and actually stay on the council definitely definitely you know when i'm when i was campaigning knocking on people's door you know, one of the things they say is we're too busy getting on with our life. You know, you politicians do what you want. Mm. But, you know, to uh, to encourage people, a younger generation, you know, you've got to, you know, give them something that they can go by. The the, the finances and the big incentive, you know, they go into politics or service people is because they're passionate. But I always say politics can't feed your family, you know. So um, you've got to, you know, you've got to earn your bread and butter and, um, mm. you know, it should be looked into. I think the the, the amount is not enough. Definitely. No. <laughs> nope. Something something we can definitely agree on, Rumor. It's yeah. uh, it, it, for, for me. It's it, you know we we want our we want our councillors to to almost work more than full time on our behalf, but we we don't want to remunerate them as such. So. No. No. Um, so you know, it's recently there's been there's been quite a high, high profile case, and most of us, uh, anybody who follows the show knows we've touched on it. So Councillor Cal Corkery has yeah. been a um, long time Labour member, Labour councillor, 
um, you know, has been was leader of the um, the Labour group on the council, and then, you know, recently very high profile. Um, first, Cal was suspended and then expelled from the Labour Party. Um, and again, not going to ask you to comment on those yeah. specific circumstances, yeah. but do do you feel that there is there is still an ideological fight for the soul of the Labour Party? You know that that it, it feels to those of us on the outside that there is a there is a left wing of the Labour Party, and Sir Keir Starmer is is looking to sort of reoccupy that central ground. So. How do you see the current uh, the current landscape for the Labour Party, both yeah. locally and nationally? Sure. How I see, Ian, is that the future of democracy uh, is for all people to be heard, right? Regarding Labour movement in Portsmouth, right? We are a broad church, and we are here to work. We work best when we work all to come together, and that's my opinion. You know, um, you need. To, we need to all work together. You know, uh, and, you know, it has always been a broad, but we need to hear people, you know, in order to work. So in terms of if, if we look at, if we delve into that just a little bit deeper, yeah. um, you know, that there, there has been this inherent tension within the Labour Party, and it dates back to you know, it probably dates back to the mid 80s um, or the early 80s when there was the there was the militant movement within Labour and and, you know, Neil Kinnock famously tried to sort of move Labour towards that centre ground. Um, you know, you say Labour's a broad church, you know, can the can the sort of centrist majority and the the significant number of of you know, I'm going to use the word sort of quite hardline socialists. Can they exist comfortably together, or is there there always going to be this inherent tension as to to whether the Labour Party should be electable or ideologically pure? I'll be honest with you, Ian. You know, a lot of the narratives is set by by the media. You know, mm. you know, a lot of it. Uh, so. I think the question we're asking is a different one, is how can we better serve the people we're, we're elected for? Uh, and, uh, you know, you know, all groups have worked together. Like I said, Labour mm. is a broad trust. You know, there's a difference between the opposition party where, you know, a lot of dismay and, you know, um, nepotism exists. It exists in all parties. But I believe from the early age, my dad used to say, you've got to give respect to everyone's opinion, whether they differ with you or not. And, you know, I keep maintaining Labour is a broad chance. We have worked together many times before. I can't see any reason why not. So do you think that the, the you know, obviously, uh, as I say, and I, 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 I won't ask you to comment specifically on Cal, no. but, it, you know, it, those of us that follow local politics know that the, you know, Cal made no secret of the fact that he was, um, you know, the Momentum chair. Um, there were a lot of activists joined the party under, um, you know, with, with Jeremy Corbyn as leader, very much attracted to a a more, a, a sort of, you know, a, almost a sort of retro socialist message. You know, people, people became, 
much more active in local politics. Do you think with, with the, the tensions that there are now, is there a danger of of the local party having to, to, to choose its position? Or do you think after this recent episode, there is the possibility for the, the two wings to come together? Yeah. There's always possibilities of working together, and it should be that, you know. Um, like I said, it's not a case of them and us. It's about people we serve, you know. I think one of our biggest criticisms as politicians for all parties is we forget. You know, we, we must all work together in the greater good of the community. Because don't forget, politicians are, are not loaned to themselves. They've been elected by the public. So... You know, the question should be, how can we serve better? You know, and uh, differences of opinions and does exist. You know, like I said, Labour mm. have always been a broad charge. You know. Uh, do you, do you, yeah, do like, you think... Um, oh, sorry, Ian, go on. Yeah. No, go. I, well, I was just going to try and... Because um, the thought occurs, and, and I ask this question often when we when we have different uh, different guests on, so don't, sure. uh, don't worry. It, no. So... We, do you think that actually the reason why the political parties in the UK, the two major political parties in the UK, are such broad churches, both the Labour Party and the Conservative Party are, yeah. are quite are quite considerably broad churches of opinion yeah, when you yeah. look at the, the different edges of, of their movements. Yeah. Do, do you think that those are a natural outcome of first past the post? Do you think that we wouldn't see that if we had proportional representation? Do you, do you think... Uh, I've the, the, the voting mechanism forces that coalition, internal coalition to happen? Not really. The voting mechanism doesn't, but the issues and policies and uh, aims and objectives does. But yes, yeah, sometimes it does. If there was a smaller parties, you know, the first past the post, you know, I, I, I think it can be looked into, like you said. It's not always a, a good way of getting parties in, apart from the two parties. I mean... Um, uh, you know, if you look at the local mechanism, independents have won a few seats, you know, mm -hmm. and they're looking, uh, you know, there's a difference between saying what people want to hear and doing and serving the community is two different things. Oh, indeed. Populism and um, and actually being an administration are two very, very different things. Yeah. And we, yeah. we've quite often commented on the show that the skills that you need to actually get into power, get yeah. in, get you know, get elected to the council are a very different set of skills to the ones that you need to use once you get there. Yeah. Um, and then you need to, while you're still busy actually being um, being an administration, you still then need to find time in four years' time to campaign to stay there. Otherwise, you don't get a chance to continue to do it. Yeah. The, the yeah. public will, whether you believe that's a good or a bad thing, will you know quite often be quite fickle and, and might well um, chuck you out um, because you haven't reminded them of all of the things that you've done um, while you've been busy actually working on, on their behalf. Yeah. Um, but it, it, it just seems that, I, I don't know, one of the, I, I forget who the quote's from, but the, the basis of the, you know, the, the first rule of politics is learn how to count, isn't it? Yeah. And, it and if, if, the, if the first thing is basically getting as many, forgive the term, bums on the seats as you can, yeah. then you just want the largest number possible of people in your team, whatever, whatever team that might be, um, and the, the the current electoral system that we use drives us to have to choose that choose um, choose those teams in that particular way, rather than perhaps what you'd see on in um, in European politics, where you'd see much more 
comfortable and natural groupings of parties that still then work together to certain degrees and still then form external yeah. coalitions without it being the nasty word that it was for um <clears throat> for certain parties in in 2010 to 2015 yeah. um but do you, do you know do you think that that's a difference or no, do you it's think a difference you've change? got to look at the conservative government at the moment you know look at the they're in you know um mm. look at look at the upheaval they've caused you know uh, if if they don't put a say on it they wouldn't be able to do that, you know. So, you know, um, they're too busy fighting for positions, you know, and um, instead of understanding. And sustainability takes time, Simon. You know, um, mm-hmm. if you're too busy watching your back, you aren't serving the community. Yeah, that's a very oh, good point. I, yeah. No, I, I think you've highlighted there something, rumor which, you know, again, I, I, I you know, if I look at the Conservative Party at the moment, I think I think they're very. I both think both Labour and um, the Conservatives are in a very similar situation. The Conservative Party is having an an ideological infight. I think probably over the last ten years, the Conservatives have been better at hiding that than perhaps the Labour Party has, particularly under the the sort of Jeremy Corbyn momentum era, where it was very clear there was an internal division. Um, but I think your your point now is very valid that you know that there are wings of the Conservative Party who are at war with each other, and um, that is very distracting from the uh, from the business of government. Yeah. Which I think <clears throat> segues into our next question. It then does Simon. beautifully, beautifully. It's like you you set it up that way. <laughs> Oh no, Which it was my question, wasn't it? Sorry, I I'd completely yes. got got um, taken away <laughs> by that. Um, so oh, you can't get this. You can't get the people these days. Um, so, uh, Rumel, as a as a long-standing Labour Party member, um, how optimistic do you feel about the next general election, whenever it might be? So that's a good question, um, Simon. I mean, I'm optimistic. Uh, we will win the general next general election because we are offering politics that addresses the cost of living crisis. You know, um, the Conservative, like I said, government has been uh, made a real mess of the economy. You know, I'm not, you don't have to be brilliant to see that. Look at the people's situation people are in. And, um, you know, uh, and, and they're incapable of addressing the most important issues. And like I keep saying back, you know, it's the issues. You know, people who recognize what they're voting for. If you're not addressing the issues, you know, we're not doing it. So yeah, I'm confident Labour will win you know and often we have we have policies and things that that has to work for the people to improve people's life you know um you know in a country where a person's frightened to own their cattle because they can't afford the electricity that's that's a massive one you know um so do, do i do th- think labor will win yeah. do, do you think that because i mean speculation has it that but i think um, actually one of the um was it one of the recent uh, the, the newly appointed yeah. vice uh, vice chair of the of the conservative party is is basically saying you know to prepare for election in the next 18 months yeah um so i mean if, if that's the case that seems quite a natural is there, is there a danger that you end up with a neil Kinnock 1992 moment where the disaster is peaked uh, and people's memories are so short that actually 
the Conservatives end up winning? Is there a, again? Is that is there is there a danger of that? Do you think? I don't think there is a danger of that. Depending on how you know what policies you know we bring out and how they affect people's life. So, mm-hmm. you know, politics is not on one person or their ideology. It's about mm-hmm. improving the whole community. You know. Um, so I think there are new policies coming in. You know, it will change people's lives, and, and that's why I feel. Uh, um, people are fed up with the current government. You know, they want the change. Hopefully, you know, we will put that change in the right direction. And I believe that. I do believe it. You know. um, and and somebody who who favours the conservative side of the street room light, I'm in. I'm sure. inclined to agree with you that I think that the. Um, I, I think that if I was to say that the next general election is Labour's to lose rather than the Conservatives to win, I guess my only nervousness is back in 2010 when the Conservatives took over, there was that famous note that had been left in the Treasury that said, sorry, the money ran out. And I I, I do wonder how much latitude, you know, that those Labour policies have got to offer, you know, people a, a financial a different financial landscape, you know, following the, all of the money that was spent during the pandemic and the, you know, the, the global position on fuel costs, you know, the, is there an element of, of, you know, do you think Labour has got, you know, has got enough space to move within the current economic <laughs> landscape or is it a case of, you know, we can't, can are all parties in a position where they're, they're having to promise it's all going to be a bit horrible for the next few years? Well, if you look at the current economic uh, prediction, we're not out of the woods yet. So um, no, and you know, irrelevant of who goes in there, it's going to be a challenge. But I do feel mm. there needs to be new 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 uh, directions which Labour will put in. You know, and this business about last time Labour went and the money. He wasn't there. I think it was one of the biggest, you know, biggest uh, publicity stunt that the Conservative did, and it worked. That wasn't quite accurate. The money was there. It's just that they made it look the money wasn't. Um, like I said, you know, I think press makes a big part to it. You know, mm. um, they direct politics and. You know, we got to get this right for the people of this country, you know, um, because it's dire situation and, you know, everybody needs to work together you know, for the common good. And do you think the country's receptive to such a message, Rumel? Because, again, this is just a personal observation. Um, you know, perhaps I'm just getting a bit old. It, it yeah. almost feels like that the politicians have to go for this populist message that it, it's all it's all going to be magically better rather than the 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 tough love message of well actually it's going to be quite hard for the next several years but if we all pull together and support each other then we will all get through it how how receptive do you think the country is to a a, a tough message yeah to be honest with you all parties are saying that so it is tough you know um, you know, nobody is denying that, and public are are, are not fickle-minded. They understand. You know, um, mm. we're we're the only country. Uh, every other country is facing it. You know, so, um, mm. 
also it's about you know it will get tough then it gets better you know uh, so i don't yeah. think people are on a denial basis whatever politicians say they understand they know how bad it is you know. so if we then switch from that sort of national perspective to you personally rumal it's uh yeah. the key question i guess is is you know 20 years of activism what what's next for rumal khan well uh, i'm still involved in the community activism enforcement right I'm addressing issues such as climate justice, anti-racism, and addressing wealth and income inequalities. You know, serving the community. I've always been doing that, so I will never stop. I'll continue mm. doing that. Um, if if that's the language of politics, I'm in it. Um, you know, um, I'll continue helping people, you know, which I'm doing, and not I'm not the only. One. There's a lot of other people, like a lot of unsung heroes, who do it. Uh, yes and um credit to them if you're going to look at the pandemic to see that you know um uh, but no matter how much we clap for people they need to survive we need to make them sustainable you know and uh, clapping doesn't buy the food and you know when you got a huge amount of people going to the food banks this is people who are currently working not people who are unemployed i think over mm. two million people and a wife working and still going on food banks. That's not a good situation. So we need to improve on that. And I, I'm doing my best as I can to help, you know, like you and everyone else, I'm sure. So, you know, I've always been involved in politics to help people like everyone else does. I'll still continue that. So, so I guess the, the million-dollar question, uh, Rumal, is, is will we see your name on a ballot paper again anytime soon? Definitely, uh, definitely. <laughs> Depends what ballot paper you're talking about. <laughs> and uh, you know, um, to be honest with you, you know, I didn't stand a couple of years now because of the commitment in business and work. And so, you know, it's like when you addressed it earlier. Um, I'm hoping, but you know, time and money and and, and space is important. Yeah, you know, time will tell. Okay, that is indeed the to keep us guessing. So we may or may not see your name on a ballot paper in 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 May. Is that is that what you're saying, Rumor? I'm not. I'm not standing in local election. No. Okay, okay. No, that's fine. Sorry to put you on the spot, but it was no, the, it fair. was it was the obvious yeah. follow up. Um, okay. What's your hopes for the um, for May? What do you what do you th did you have any predictions or dare you share them or would you would you rather keep keep <laughs> keep your cards always, close to your chest? Uh, Predictions are never accurate, so I, I don't predict. But I'm hopeful well, yeah. we will we will win a you know few seats. And um, at the end of the day, it's about individual efforts as well. You know, where, you know, um, it's how much effort you put in, and you know, so there'll be some changes, I'm sure, in Boston. Uh, absolutely, they, they they say there are only ever two types of predictions, Rumble, don't they? Yeah. Which is lucky and wrong. So um, those are the only. Uh, That's uh, I, so, <clears throat> you, and every, every year we do the we do the hustings prediction, and and I think for the last three years, Simon's been lucky and I've been wrong. So um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah I'm, I might explain it slightly differently, but um, yeah, of course I've I, yeah. I've been I've been right, but I can't say that that's from any sort of secret information, or I've just yeah. happened to have 
I've got more seats right than 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 Ian did. Right. I I've, wish I was Nostradamus like you. <laughs> yeah. I, well, I've I've not got them all right. I've just I just happened to have got more of them right than 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 Ian did three times in a row. Not that I'm counting. Yeah, that's how I suppose. Some you win, some you lose. Yeah, but I'm not a gambling man, so don't worry. No, I'm not either. So, so Rumal, from from our conversation today, I I get an overwhelming sense of of optimism and positivity um, from you for for you know from Portsmouth and and the Bangladeshi community specifically. So, you know. In terms of of the hopes for for both Portsmouth and and the community you serve, you know, could you could you just outline for us, you know, over the next sort of few years, what what would you be be your hopes for both Portsmouth and the Bangladeshi community? That's a very good uh, million dollar question, uh, Ian. Um, hope for Bangladeshi is I'd like to see more young people come into politics, you know, um, and uh, because don't forget we are one of the largest community enforcement and um, we're growing sometimes not in the right direction but younger aspirations is there and uh, one of my I, f- I feel proud to you know inspire other people you know I have people stopping on the road and saying you know you inspired me to get into politics that's a good thing you know um, mm. uh, um, I'm proud that they're looking in politics and some people say you know you know don't talk about politics I've had enough so you know you've got to be passionate about it you know, so um, I'm optimistic. Many young people will come into politics still. You know, and if if we look at if we look at Portsmouth, apart from the obvious, you you, I, I don't think Labour can win enough seats in this round to 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 take control of uh, PCC. But in terms of of right. Portsmouth generally, what what would you hope for it in the next few years? What would you like to see change fundamentally? Yeah, my expectation is more people to get into local politics national politics you know make a difference because young people are the lifeblood of the community you know um you know i'd like to see more people uh, uh and you know in a positive way you know um politics is something you've got to be passionate about it's not you know it's not um people who regard it as a job i would say you're looking at it the wrong way so i'm optimistic there'll be more different people coming in you know and um that's a good thing. So just to close the show out, Rumal, yeah. is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners? I'd just like to say what you're doing is great. I mean, Pompey Podcast, I'm, I'm one of your followers. I think, you know, you did great jobs. Um, it takes a lot of hard work in what you're doing. I'd just like to thank you. Um, you know, especially local politics, you're very popular as well. And, you know, I hear people talking. It's a good thing. So um, just keep doing more of that uh, because... You know, discussion and you know, you know, discussion between different opinions and different parties. That's what it should be. So I really enjoy what you do. Thank you for the hard work you're doing. Thank you. Thank you, you're very welcome. Thank you for having. It's as as anybody who follows the podcast knows. It's it's Simon who does almost all of the hard work, and I (laughs) I just 
turn up and chat nonsense. So it's a, it's a great teamwork because uh, I yeah we, yeah we've it, delegated a, that well. Uh, yeah, it's a it's a great democratic system we've got. It, it, it's fantastic, but it, but in the on the neat, neatly moving to what we're doing more of soon. Yeah. Um, so just to let our um, let our um, listeners know before we actually close the show. So uh, so next week, as we were saying at the top of the show, um, we'll be turning our attention to Ukraine and how the people of Portsmouth and the surrounding areas can help, and our um, how they are helping already and and all the things that they can do to be helping to continue to continue to help um those actually still in ukraine and those seeking sanctuary sanctuary in and around um our city so if you are involved with a voluntary group or if you're a ukrainian refugee uh, and have a comment to share or would like to take part please let us know either messages on facebook or email studio at pppodcast.uk um, and we'd love to love to have you take part and hear and hear what you've got to say. Um, one of the other shows that we'll be looking at will be the subject of uh, voter ID, uh, and we're just going to be confirming the date of that. We've had some um, scheduling um, stuff that we've had to kind of move about a bit, so apologies that um, the date we'd originally said for that um, isn't transpiring. Uh, but we will be um, we'll be looking into that. But please do remember um, the last date for you to register to be able to vote in May's elections is April the seventeenth. The last date for you to be able to register for a postal vote, which will mean you don't need ID, um, is at 5 p.m. on April the 18th. Um, the last date for you to register for a um, for a proxy vote, or indeed actually for a um, for the free uh, photo ID that you can use to vote in person, is April the 25th. Um, and nominations are closing at 4 p.m. on April the 4th. Um, so that means that's when all of the local uh, parties will have submitted all of their applications for their candidates to the council um, and those nominations will be made public by 4pm or the next day on the council's website um, and that means at that point we'll know who all of the candidates are in May's local elections so who's standing for your vote in May the on May the 4th may the 4th be with you um, in your ward we'll know who all of those people are um, but as we were saying, we'll be holding our hustings again this year. That means for any ward where we can get at least two councillors willing to come online, agree a date to do a, a, an online hustings with us, we'll be holding our hustings for, for that ward. Um, so if you are a prospective candidate and want to take part and haven't told us already, please email us, studio at pppodcast.uk um, or message us. And we'd love to have you on board. We currently have two wards where we already have two candidates willing to put themselves forward uh, for the hustings so we'll sort out some scheduling with them and those mm. are Copner and nelson wards um and we have five other wards where we have already one other candidate um that has signed up so uh do keep your eyes peeled the best way to keep up to date with what's happening is of course to follow us on facebook um or on twitter um, or if you go to our website, um, which is pppodcast.uk, um, then you'll see the links to all of the other platforms you can find us to keep up to date with our information. So I shall stop selling ourselves now. Marvellous. Oh, no, that's great sales. That's great sales. So, Rumal, thank you ever so much for well, coming on you. and sharing this evening. It's been a great episode. Um, and all the best for your, your future activism and, uh, and representing your community so finely. Thank you, Tiboti. Thank you very much. No problem. So you've been listening to the Pompey Politics Podcast. I've been Ian Tiny Morris. And our guest has been Rumal Khan. Thank you, Rumal.
Um, and I've been Simon Sansbury. Join us next week live on Facebook and YouTube at 6.27. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Pompey Politics Podcast. If you want to make sure you get notifications about upcoming shows and get to know when we're live, we normally broadcast live 6.27pm on a Sunday evening, then follow us on Facebook at Pompey Politics Podcast. You can also follow us on Twitter at Pompey Politics One. Please, if you'd like to, feel free to leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts and you can even ask Alexa to play the podcast for you. Alexa, play the latest episode of the Pompey Politics Podcast. Getting Pompey Politics Podcast from Amazon Music. Alexa, the latest episode. stop. See? It's easy.